You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, El Melchior, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome, everybody. Happy Saturday to you and uh, happy pre-World Series Game 4. Uh, you are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host. And uh, another action-packed show planned for you. We're going to have John Heyman on. Haven't had John on the show in quite a while and really appreciate the fact that he's taking time out from covering the World Series to spend a, a segment with us here because uh, even though we're, we're focused on the World Series right now, Free agency is just a few days away, believe it or not. So uh, we're going to get a jump on that with John and also talk about some of the uh, managerial and coaching uh, goings on. Uh, lots of uh, hirings and, and musical chairs there. And also going to have Mike Robbins on. I had promised you last week that uh, I'd have some Astros talk after devoting pretty much two whole segments to the Dodgers uh, on last week's show. So uh, we're going to have Mike Robbins on, a former player in the Royal system. Uh, he's now a very well-known and excellent uh, keynote speaker and author. Uh, also a former uh, member of the 1995 Stanford Cardinal College World Series team, and he was team Teammates and battery mate with none other than AJ Hinch. So that's a long, uh, circuitous way to get around uh, why we got Mike Robbins on today. But uh, uh, very few people uh, probably uh, know AJ Hinch better than the Mike Robbins. So uh, very psyched to have him on the show later. Uh, although I will uh, give you the, the uh, caveat. Mike's not going to be live with us. Couldn't make it today, but I wanted to have him on the show and he agreed to to pre-tape a segment so just to be fully disclosing with you about that uh anyhow but we will have uh that uh playing for you just a little bit later on but uh in terms of the news uh john farrell interviewed for the nationals vacant managerial position on friday so certainly get john uh, hayman's take on uh who he thinks might ultimately land that nationals job and a lot of pitching coach hires in the last uh, two days or so. Chris Basio, recently uh, let go by the Cubs, is now uh, going to be working under um, Ron Gardenhire as the Tigers pitching coach. Mike Maddox to the Cardinals. And Garvin Alston uh, has been uh, hired as the Twins pitching coach. And a couple of re-signings, even though, uh, again, we're not quite to free agency just yet. But a couple players under team control. That have signed uh, extensions for the Brewers, Chase Anderson and Eric Sogard. Anderson has a two-year deal worth $11.75 million, plus a couple of team options. Eric Sogard's deal is just for 2018, $2.4 million plus incentives. I'm going to break both of them down a little bit, or at least their stats. I'm not going to do anything to them personally, but uh, break down their stats in the next segment uh, because they both had very, very interesting seasons and I think there's a lot to consider going into next season's drafts, which I know many, many months away, but good time to talk about them now. So anyways, going to head to break and come back and talk a little bit about those Brewer signings and some other players who are not as involved in the postseason as you might have thought and what they might be worth next season. Stick around. Be right back. 
Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com slash premium and learn more about our awesome product. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball, and I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, as promised, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about those Brewers re-signings, Chase Anderson and Eric Sogard. And if you're wondering what's going on with Yasmani Grandal, <laughs> not playing much this postseason, uh, what on earth should you be able to expect from, from him next year? I'm going to break down that situation a little bit. A couple other players who have had... Uh, more diminished roles than I, I would have expected this postseason. Uh, you know, the, now's the time, I think, to to look forward with uh, a handful of those players. But before we get to that, I uh, just want to remind you that you could and, in fact, really should go visit dailyroto.com slash DKMS or rotoexperts.com slash DKMS. And uh, there you'll not only get some information on how to play a really cool weekly uh, free DFS uh, game, but uh, also get a lot of information on DKMS itself, uh, the organization, and its mission to fight blood cancer. There's all kinds of information there. You can even learn how to sign up as a bone marrow donor or uh, just uh, how to make a, a donation to the organization uh, or just more about what they do and, and what you could do to maybe spread the word about uh, the DKMS clause, cause. Excuse me. Uh, so uh, be sure to check that out. And as for the game itself... Uh, and by the way, both sites, they have the same information. So whether it's Roto Experts or Daily Roto, it's the same game, same information. Uh, the game is uh, a fantasy draft game that is co-sponsored by uh, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It is free, and it's a contest that's being held every week of the first 16 weeks of the NFL season. And then each of those 16 weekly winners will match up in week 17 with the ultimate winner, Gain the prize of two tickets to Super Bowl 52 in Minnesota. So uh, check all of that out. It's all very, very worthwhile. Uh, it's a fun game. Uh, I've, uh, uh, to be honest, not uh, as involved with fantasy football this year as in past years as I'm staying plugged in to baseball. Keep you informed there. But I had a great time playing the fantasy draft game uh, on the site there. Anyway, uh, back to baseball. Uh, so, as I mentioned uh, the last segment, Chase Anderson has signed a two-year deal worth $11.75 million, plus a couple of options uh, beyond that club options. And he had most certainly a breakthrough season, although it was one that was uh, interrupted midseason with some time on the DL. But uh, before the stint, after the stint, really just a good, good season, good consistent season by Chase Anderson. I'd say one of the bigger surprises in a year full of starting pitching surprises. And the one thing that uh, that has me a little bit, I guess, confused or, or maybe worried about Chase Anderson going into next year, and it's something I, I have to think about because uh, I traded for him in a score sheet league. That's a keeper league. I have to think about whether or not to keep Chase, Chase Anderson for next season. So whether you're like me and you have to make a decision, you know, in the, the next couple of months about 
keepers, or you're just already starting to look forward to a redraft league in, in 2018. There's something about Chase Anderson that I, I haven't quite figured out. Uh, now, he, he had a big increase in his strikeout rate, career-high 23% strikeout rate. So not you know outstanding, but considering that this was somebody who was pretty much a pitch-to-contact guy the previous couple of years and was, again, very consistently an above-average strikeout pitcher when healthy this year, you know, I'm I'm pretty well bought into that. I mean, again, I've talked about on earlier shows that when somebody just does something for one season, how much can you trust it? I, I think a little bit of skepticism there is is healthy, but uh, in a year where strikeouts were sort of uh, where they were up across the board, and Anderson was very consistent in that regard, that's not even my biggest concern for him. He gave up 14 home runs this year and pitched 141 and a third innings, and we all have to kind of recalibrate our not only our expectations in terms of strikeout rate, but in terms of home run ratio too, because as we all know, there were so many more home runs this year. So a year or two ago, that home run ratio, especially for somebody pitching home games at Miller Park, I'd say, yeah, that's not so great, but not so bad either. But in this year's environment, that's quite good. (laughs) That's quite good. I mean, less than a home run per every nine innings. That is now really something that stands out, whereas that used to be just sort of average. And again, not that long ago, like maybe two seasons ago. So that was a big key to Chase Anderson's success this year, because if he just had a, a more of a home run rate that you would expect from a fly ball pitcher making roughly half of his starts at Miller Park, they probably would be more like a home run per nine inning ratio of like 1.3, maybe even 1.4. That's how, that's what I would expect. And he didn't have a particularly low hard contact rate against him, but he was one of the better pitchers in the major leagues. One of the very best actually in terms of limiting average fly ball distance. And yeah, that's been a real pet metric of mine this year. I go back to it again and again, because I, I think it, I think it tells you something. I mean, I've talked a lot on the show about Andrew Kashner. I wrote a piece for fan graphs this week on Kashner trying to make sense of his season and his ability to limit extra base hits, was, which was extraordinary. And he had an even lower average fly ball distance allowed than Chase Anderson. So typically when you see pitchers at the top of that particular leaderboard having the lowest average fly ball distances, not surprisingly, it tends to correlate with prevention of extra base hits. And that was a key for Anderson, despite the fact that he was pretty fly ball prone. So I, I haven't quite figured out if that's whether we're talking about Chase Anderson or Andrew Kashner. Um, Jose Barrios might be somebody you could also put in that category who's fly ball prone, but uh, did a pretty good job of preventing extra base hits and didn't allow fly balls to go very far. I haven't seen a lot of evidence that this carries over year to year. So if you're, Thinking of keeping Chase Anderson next season, based on what he did this season, I think there's a, there's a chance you get burned on that. So I, I very much want to believe in what he's done, uh, but that's that's a concern that I have. And, and hopefully I'll, because there's a lot of offseason ahead of us, uh, I'll come back to this because I do plan on on doing more research. I kind of hit the, the, the tip of the iceberg with the Kashner piece that I just wrote, but I want to follow up more 
because I think this could be a real key to uh, to the value for several pitchers that could really go in, in possibly more than one direction next year. As for Sogard, uh, I was very, very big on him early, early in the season because he was just doing things he had never done before in terms of plate discipline, in terms of power even, and not a lot of home run power. But he hit, I think it was three home runs within a fairly short span. Uh, that dried up very quickly, and he too had uh, his season interrupted by injury. But uh, one thing he did consistently all year, even though he really cooled off a lot in the last couple months, really the second half, Sogard. Last two months of the season, August 1 forward, he had a 31% line drive rate. And that coupled with a 28% hard contact rate, which is in and of itself is not great. It's actually a little below average, but it's not that far below average. It's not like Jose Peraza low. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's close enough to average that that combined with the high line drive rate, it makes me wonder how the heck did Eric Sogard bat 231 over the last two months of the season? Now, part of that was he went three for 31 on ground balls. And that just looks really, really fluky. And Sogard, you know, he wasn't playing every day. So he was playing probably just seldomly enough that a few extra ground ball base hits would make that line look quite a bit different. So even though I, I'm guessing he's just going to have a utility role for the Brewers, if he uh, you know he, he get, draws a lot of walks now, or at least he did this season, and if he continues with some doubles power, which he showed for for much of the year, and can get that batting average up, he's somebody I'm considering in deep leagues. But again, that's a long way away. Now Yasmani Grandal, he's not uh, played much this postseason after clearly being the Dodgers' primary catcher the season. And yet I look at what he did this year. And, and I think it has much, much more to do with the rise of Austin Barnes than anything that, that he's done in particular, because um, his, the only thing I really see that's a dramatic difference was that he doesn't have the plate discipline that he had last season. And that was something that was really a standout skill for Grandal that, yeah, he's got the nice power, not necessarily going to hit for a really high average, but man, he's going to get on base a lot in a really good lineup. And his swing percentage on pitches outside the zone rocketed from last season's 23% to 32%. So that, that's a real game changer for Grandal in a market of catchers where there's quite a few that can hit for power, but not necessarily hit for average. And now you, you throw in the, the rise of Austin Barnes into that equation and yeah, I think he is, his uh, value is going to be much, much lower going into next season. So there are a couple of other players from this World Series that I want to focus in on. I'm going to do that later on in the show because when we come back from this break, you're going to hear the talk I had with Mike Robbins just a couple of days ago on A.J. Hinch and leadership uh, in Major League Baseball and a whole bunch more. So stick around for that. We'll be right back. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to DailyRoto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. 
Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host, and I am absolutely thrilled to have as a guest Mike Robbins, a former pitcher in the Kansas City Royal system, uh, also uh, an author of Focus on the Good Stuff, Be Yourself. Everyone else is already taken. Nothing changes until you do. And uh, also uh, has his uh, Bring Your Whole Self to Work podcast. So, Mike, thank you so much for uh, making the time to uh, join me for the show. Absolutely. How good to be here. Yeah. So I've, I've got to make the uh, the caveat here. We are taping this on Thursday. So you are listening. If you're listening live, of course, this is Saturday or maybe you're even listening later than that. Um, so, you know, we were going to go just go ahead and, you know, talk about the great performance by Lance McCullers last night and all the curveballs <laughs> uh, he threw. But uh, we're, we're, we're not going to do that. That's right. We probably could have just gotten away with that, Mike. Uh, But, uh, you know, I I, I promised uh, on last weekend's show that I'd get somebody on here who who could talk about the Astros because I had Molly Knight on for two segments. Uh, She wrote the the fantastic book about the Dodgers. So, of course, we talked about the Dodgers. I I need to give the Astros uh, uh, some equal time here. And uh, you go back quite a ways with uh, A.J. Hinch. Uh, you were a member of the 95 Stanford team that went to the, the College World Series. So how, how much overlap yeah. was there uh, with A.J. Hinch in your, your collegiate career? A.J. and I are the same year, so we came into Stanford the fall of 1992. We actually met the summer before we got there. We played on Team USA together, the junior national team, and one of our teammates was Alex Rodriguez. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Well, uh, so yeah, so AJ uh, and I've known each other for 25 years. Then we played together at Stanford. I got drafted and signed after my junior year. AJ got drafted that year as well, but didn't end up signing. Came back for senior year and signed with the A's, and then got to the big leagues with the A's a couple of years later. Okay, yeah, and you were drafted in the same class with, uh, I believe, Kerry Wood, and I'm trying to think who who else. Uh, there were, I know there were some notable pitchers in that draft uh and then you you went were, uh, and then a bunch. yeah and you went in the the ninth round to kansas city is that right yeah ninth round we had uh, carlos beltran was our second round pick for the royals that year so carlos and i played together in the minor leagues as well so another astros connection wow that's incredible um and you know, speaking of the the World Series, I do want to get to that uh, since we're we're already talking about uh, AJ Hinch. I, I I definitely want to pick your brain about some things regarding him. But you now you attended Game One, correct, of the World Series? I did. I went down to LA. I live in the Bay Area, but I went down to LA for Game One, which was a great pitchers' duel, really fast game. And then I flew home, unfortunately, and missed that incredible Game Two. Uh, so I had to watch it on TV. But uh, one of the most remarkable games I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, and and you know we did see that last night, so uh, you know we're not making this up. Um, <laughs> but uh, that was an amazing game, uh, and uh, you know I'm just glad that now I'm in the in the western half of the United States. I was able to stay up and watch the whole thing and, and not have to sacrifice uh, much sleep uh, doing so. But uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely want to talk about that that game one uh, in in a bit. But since we've already started talk, talking about AJ Hinch, so I assume now you were you were battery mates at Stanford, correct? I mean, he, yeah, he was my catcher, you know, that whole summer of 92 before we got there on the USA team and then the whole time at Stanford. And, uh, you know, he was just an incredible player. I mean, 
one of the best hitters I was ever around. And in terms of calling a game and and calming us all down on the pitching staff, which he obviously does well now as a manager, he, uh, you know, he was just really good at that from a very early age. You know, that's that's interesting because the only time that I've ever spoken with A.J. Hinch was at the All-Star Game, the 2015 All-Star Game. I was fortunate enough to get sent there when I was working for, for, for CBS and I was you know, part of the, the scrum on Media Day. And uh, I can't even remember what the question was off the top of my head, but I remember the response was something about how he was, you know, he thought it was very important for himself and for the players to all be on sort of an even keel, even though the season is a, is a roller coaster ride. So it sounds like that was just something that was a part of him, you know, going back to when you first knew him. Yeah, I mean, you know, he was a standout superstar player from the time he was a young kid, as is true for most guys to get to the big leagues and, of course, big league managers. Um, but a lot of pressure on him coming into Stanford as a big recruit. Um, you know, he ended up being an All-American and led us to a conference title and then trip to the College World Series. So, you know, played on the Olympic team, was on the USA team for six years in a row and was the captain of that 96 uh, Olympic team in Atlanta. Yeah, uh, well, you know, going back to just, you know, even those times, you know, again, more than, than 20 years removed, was there anything at that point you think that could have, you know, foreshadowed him being a major league manager and, and one who's had, for the most part, you know, especially with the Astros, great success so far? You know, he was a psychology major at Stanford and a really smart guy and just sort of had a knack for understanding people and organizations. I mean, it's interesting because I think he would be the first to admit that his playing career, his big league playing career, didn't play out the way he expected. Um, and given how talented he was, uh, you know, and he was starting for the Oakland A's at age 23 in 1998. Um, but I think, you know, I also have seen and known AJ for 25 years. I've seen him really grow and develop in his leadership skills over the years and understand how to relate to lots of different types of people. And I think working in the front office for the Diamondbacks and being the farm director there and then ultimately becoming the manager at 35 years old without any coaching experience, I think he learned a lot. And that experience didn't go as well as he'd hoped, and he ended up getting fired. Um, so I think some of those things and being humbled along the way, both in the game and then in the front office and in the dugout, I think has really set him up for success now in, in, uh, in, in Houston with the Astros. Yeah, now uh, there's been a lot of uh, movement in terms of coaches and managers the last few days. One of the news items you know, we've seen the last few days is Alex Cora being hired uh, by the Red Sox uh, to replace uh, John Farrell there. Uh, you both were involved with the 1995 College World Series. So did you cross paths with him there or uh, elsewhere in you know, your, your careers? I, I didn't actually. I mean, I know Alex because we're about the same age and he played at Miami when I was at Stanford. They were in the other bracket at the College World Series. We never actually faced them. We got eliminated uh, and they got eliminated before we ended up facing one another. So but, you know, Alex was in the minor leagues at the same time I was. And then, of course, he got to the big leagues and, you know, watched him and his and his brother play as well. Um, but I know AJ's really, you know, been happy to have him on the staff and I'm sure he hates to lose him, but probably excited that, uh, Alex is going to get a job to manage one of the marquee franchises in the big leagues. 
Yeah, no, it's uh, he's been you know a candidate for some time, so or at least you know mentioned as a potential candidate. So uh, it's it's good to see him get the opportunity now. And like you say, with the marquee franchise, uh, well, you know, you mentioned uh, you know being uh, go, coming up through the collegiate ranks at the same time, uh, the minor leagues. Uh, you know, he he made it. Now your your career was derailed by injuries, uh, Mike. Uh, what exactly uh, happened there? Uh, I think you were in. What the California League or, or some uh, I was, advanced class? I was actually in the yeah, Carolina so. League. Okay, I, okay. Um, you know, I got drafted in '95, my junior year at Stanford by the Royals, and then spent a little time in the Northwest League and the Midwest League, and then was in the Carolina League uh, playing for the Wilmington Blue Rocks, and we were playing against the Durham Bulls. And I went out to pitch one night and threw one pitch and tore ligaments in my elbow, and that was the kind of it. I mean, I'd had some minor injuries even in college, but I finally blew it out that summer of 97 and then even though dr job did uh, tommy john surgery on me down in la that summer i wasn't able to uh to make it back and get back to where i needed to be to continue to play uh now do you have the itch at this point to be involved with, with uh, professional baseball and of course you know, as i mentioned at the outset uh, you got, you're quite busy with your books and, and your podcast and, and, <laughs> and public speaking uh, so, but uh, yeah. and you've done some some advising in the past right I have, you know, AJ actually brought me in to do some work with the Diamondbacks when he was there. I spoke to all their minor league players. I spoke to his staff, uh, even had a chance to talk to the front office. And then both the Giants and the Braves um, have brought me in, as well as in a few other sports. I do some work with the NBA and the Vancouver Canucks. So I've stayed connected to sports and, you know, vicariously still lived through AJ and a few of my other friends who are connected to the game. But, um, you know, for the most part, my life has moved on over the last 20 years. And besides going to some A's and Giants games here in the Bay Area or flying down to L.A. for game one of the World Series, I don't get to see too many games anymore. <laughs> well, thank you for helping me out with the segue, because I did say I wanted to get back to that. So what was that like? Have you you been to a, a World Series game before? You know, I actually have. I went to uh, the World Series in 88 and 89 when the A's were in it, and then 02 in 2010 um, when the Giants were in it. So, But it was my first time being at Dodger Stadium for a World Series game, and I had my Astros gear on because I was there you know, representing my friend AJ and their team and rooting for them hard. But it was actually great. I have to say the Dodger fans were great. They were fired up. That game one was an incredible pitcher's duel with two lefties. So I was as happy as could be except for the outcome. But, you know, seeing Kershaw and Keuchel go head to head like that. And I mean, it was 103 degrees game time, which was a little weird. Um, but the fans were fired up. And then, you know, we had that game one, which was one of the shortest games in the history of the World Series. And then game two, which was the opposite. But uh, it's a great series so far. And hopefully it goes six or seven for all the fans. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, just I'm rooting mostly for more baseball. But, uh, you know, the, that game, too, actually looked like initially it would be a pitcher's duel for about the first four, you know, maybe five innings. Uh, and then, yeah, obviously it, it changed quite dramatically. Uh, but, you know, as so as a former pitcher, how was that for you to, to you know, watch Kershaw and Keuchel? Uh, do, do you? You know, do you have a preference? Do you root for a pitcher's duel? Uh, do you love watching uh, high-quality pitching like that? Or uh, it, it doesn't really matter? You just It's just all baseball and it's all good? Well, I love baseball. I mean, I love the game. But watching a good pitcher's duel, particularly with lefties. I mean, Dallas Keuchel's been <laughs> one of my favorite guys to watch the last couple of years. Because um, I love how he gets guys out without overpowering stuff. I mean, he's got great command. And great movement on his pitches. And then you have Kershaw, who, you know, again, up here in the Bay Area, most everybody hates the Dodgers, especially all the Giants fans. But I've always tipped my cap to Clayton Kershaw. And I mean, 
you know, he's one of the greatest pitchers definitely of this generation, if not of all time. And, uh, you know, to see him do his thing is is pretty remarkable. Um, yeah, ab- absolutely. Well, Mike, we're just about out of time. So thank you so much for joining us. If you want to catch Mike on Twitter, he's at at Mike D. Robbins with two B's. Uh, and again, uh, he's got a fantastic podcast, Bring Your Whole Self to Work. So, Mike, thank you so much. Thanks, Al. All right, have a good one. We'll be right back, so stick around. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fancy Sports Radio Network app. The Fancy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fancy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fancy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844 844- 84FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And thanks to Mike Robbins for uh, taping that last segment with us. Hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. But now we can go right into our uh, discussion with our next guest. Very glad to have him on for the first time in a while. And that's uh, FanRag Sports' own John Heyman uh, talking to us, uh, I would assume, from Houston. Uh, John, how are you doing? I'm good, yes. I'm in Houston. You are correct, Al. <laughs> All right. I, you know, I didn't know if maybe you, uh, you know, left town to find some barbecue or, uh, but I, I imagine <laughs> you're, you're quite busy there. So sure. I am there. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, lots to get to here and, uh, really, uh, most, uh, timely and, and topically is, uh, the, the issue of Uriel, uh, Uliuski Guriel and, uh, his, uh, gesture from the dugout uh, after the, the home run, on uh, yesterday's game, uh, I've been checking during our breaks, uh, checking to see if there's any news in terms of a, a suspension or anything. Uh, what's the latest that you've you've been hearing? Well, he, um, Rob Manfred, the commissioner, was going to meet with Yuli Gariel and his representatives today. At some point, and a decision uh, was going to be made. I, I suggested last night uh, that he receive a one-game ban in the World Series. Um, he was contrite. Um, you know, he, it was obviously a brief episode. Uh, he owned up to it. Um, so uh, I, I thought other than that couple minutes there, a couple seconds really, um, I, I thought he did the right thing. But, uh, you know, I think uh, it's the World Series. There are people watching. Uh, we, we really don't uh, hopefully condone that kind of behavior um, in Major League Baseball. Uh, Dylan Hernandez uh, were a very – a nuanced, textured piece. Uh, Dylan is uh, part Japanese. He's with the LA Times, part Japanese, and he's uh, part Latin. 
any interesting perspective. He didn't take offense to it, and uh, he talked to you, Darvish. He speaks Japanese, and uh, Darvish really didn't take offense based on the quotes given to uh, Dylan. The translation suggested he uh, was more offended than he really was, apparently. But, um, you know, I think Darvish handled it very maturely. Uh, I don't think that's the issue, though. Um, you know, I, I I do understand it a little bit better. Maybe in a different culture that's more acceptable. I do think it deserves a suspension. I will not be surprised, however, if there is no suspension uh, for uh, Guriel. Uh, that would be my guess as of today. We'll see. It could change, uh, I should say, as of the second, but it could change. But uh, will not be shocked if they do not suspend him. Huh. Okay. I I actually would be, uh, you know, considering that, that there's there's some precedent uh, with Kevin Pillar and uh, I'm trying to remember. Oh, Yunel Escobar uh, was another one. But um, yeah, no, that that Dylan Hernandez piece was outstanding. And so uh, if you haven't uh, read it, uh, listening out there, uh, definitely check that out uh, in the L.A. Times and also uh, Hugh Darvish's statement, uh, which was also uh, really exceptional. So uh, but uh, speaking of Hugh Darvish, uh, John, uh, he's uh, I think you could argue the, the head of the free agent class that's about to become free agents in you know, possibly just a couple of days. Uh, where do you see him uh, landing? Do you think there's a, a decent chance of him staying with the Dodgers, or do you see him going elsewhere? I, you know, I'm not going to rule that out. Obviously, the Dodgers are a very wheel, well-heeled organization Excuse me, there, and they certainly can't afford him. Um, I, I think uh, that's a possibility uh, for Darvish. Um, we will see. I don't, I don't think that's a, a bad guess. You know, if I were to guess today, I might go Boston, but uh, that's purely a guess. Um, I could see the Dodgers bringing him back, but uh, I think they've kind of gone against that big free agent signing, and this would be a big free agent signing. As you mentioned, head of the class, him and Arietta, um, you know, I think Tanaka probably will join the free agent class, but uh, I would say Arietta and Darvish are the top two guys. Okay, and so, well, you see, think Tanaka will join them, uh, but not uh, Johnny Cueto? Uh, can I, I don't think so, but we will that? see. I, I I would guess not at this moment. Uh, he had some problems with blisters and other things this year. I uh, did not have his typical season. Um, he could try for it, and perhaps he could get another year. I, I, I'm sure that uh, his thought has crossed his mind, but it seems to be a, a bigger risk than, it, than it's worth from uh, my perspective anyway. But, uh, yeah, close call with uh, Cueto. Um, there are a lot of close calls. Upton's a close call, too, with uh, around $88 million to go. Um, but I think at this point, Tanaka, who we thought would not opt out, I think he probably will opt out. Now, is that just because he, he finished strong and you know had some uh, a good moment in the postseason? Uh, what, exactly. What he was great in his last five appearances, and uh, I think he will be looked upon differently. Obviously, there's the question of the uh, – Elbow, but it has not uh, uh, shown in terms of his pitching, and um, there might be concerns. But uh, I don't think that would preclude him from getting more than a three-year deal. He's got three years, sixty-seven million. I do think he can beat that on the free agent market. Okay, uh, and then there's the big three from the Royals: Mike Mustakis, Eric Hosmer, and Lorenzo Cain. And I find Hosmer's case particularly interesting because there seemed to be just a steady stream of rumors or mentions about the Yankees having interest. And I have to say, I don't I don't really get it. Uh, he clearly, I think, right now would be an upgrade over Greg Bird. But 
I, I think they, you know, just in my opinion, I think that they're, they should be well settled at first base. Um, do you think Hosmer could go to the Yankees? And if not, where do you think he, he does go? Yeah, I wouldn't rule that out, but I do think that their prime concern is to get under the $197 million luxury tax threshold. That being said, I think they like Greg Bird enough to uh, go with him. Uh, he is unproven. He did batted below 200 this year. I know batting averages is as important as, as in the past, but um, you know he's not proven at this point. But uh, he's talented enough, and he showed enough signs that I think they will go ahead and, and give that job to Bird. For Hosmer, I think uh, Boston uh, is more likely. That makes sense. I could see St. Louis. Uh, there are a number of teams uh, I could see for Hosmer, but those would be the top two that I could mention right now, other than the Royals, who are going to give it a shot. Yeah. Well, how about uh, the other two, Moustakis and Kane? Is there any front runner for either of them? I'm going to say Giants for Moustakis. Uh, they're pretty intent on on adding uh, power. Um, I, I've uh, linked them, and as have others, to Giancarlo Stanton, and if they get him. I, I'm not sure who else they can afford, but uh, for now, I'm going to say Giants, most likely for Moustakis, Angels. Uh, also a possibility for Moustakis. Uh, Kane, I, I kind of like the Dodgers. You know, they've got a, a few different things they've used in center field, including Jack Peterson. Uh, obviously, uh, Chris Granderson's a free agent. I think he'll probably come back and play somewhere, but maybe not as a starting player. Uh, we shall see there. But uh, I'm going to guess Dodgers for Kane. I could see uh, Mariners. I could see Rangers. Uh, Kane will interest a lot of different teams. And uh, finally, in terms of the free agents, J.D. Martinez, I'm kind of making him afterthought here in terms of discussing, asking you about all these other players first. But uh, I think I'm part of a problem, John, because I think that he has just been underrated the last couple of years. Uh, how much interest do you think there will be in him? And same question. Also, do you think there's a front runner for his uh for him uh, for a long-term contract. Yeah, I'm not sure if there is a front runner, and uh, if there is, we don't know it. And, um, I, you know, I do think he's underrated. I think he's a terrific player. He showed that after he was traded to Arizona. He was very good for Detroit even before he was traded. Uh, really put together a great season. Um, I'm with you, underrated. I mean, initially, the team that you think of most is the Giants, again, but they can't sign all these guys. Obviously, I get Stanton, <laughs> Moustakis, and... Uh, and J.D. Martinez as well. Uh, but, you know, I'm not going to rule out Arizona. We'll see. They they certainly loved uh, what he did for them. Uh, they look great with that trade. And um, they surprised us in the past with Granky. So I'm, I'm going to say that they could play there. Uh, the Cardinals do need a middle-of-the-order bat. So that's another team that comes to mind. Well, you know, what to me would be interesting about the Giants as a destination for any of the three that you mentioned, Moustakas, Martinez, or, or Stanton, these are all players that have spent a lot of their careers in less-than-friendly environments for power hitters and all have shown to have no problem hitting for power in those environments. And AT&T, I, I think, is probably the toughest park to hit for for power in, in the major leagues. So. I think the, yeah. the interesting yeah, signings. Yeah, uh, not too kind, uh, AT&T. You're absolutely right there. Stan, obviously, playing uh, in Miami. Uh, real real pitches park still is. Um, Martinez, uh, J.D., uh, got a little bit of a taste of hitters park with uh, Arizona, but uh, generally been in Detroit, which is uh, leans toward the pitchers. You're, you're right about that. Woodstock is clearly in a pitchers park and uh, set the Royal record for home runs this year. Um there um and so he is peaking at the right time and uh young as well 
Steve Balboni erased from the Royals record books. Uh, that's right. By uh, very Stockings. sad moment. Very sad. Yes. Bye bye, Balboni. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Well, we got just about a minute left, John. So we're, we're probably just going to have to go lightning round with these. But we haven't even gotten to the managerial uh, vacancies yet. The Nationals, Phillies, and Yankees. Uh, do you have any inkling as I'm going to go like Davey Martinez system? for the Nationals. I'm going to say Dusty Watson for the uh, Phillies. Yankees. Wow, wide open outside the organization. Uh, relatively young, analytical guy who knows Cashman. Those four things, but. Uh, it's hard to come up with the exact name. You know, you hear a little bit of Raul Abanez until I mentioned Brad Osmus. Um, a very interesting case there. So uh, we shall see. That's a big job, Andrew, the Yankees. That is. Uh, do you see Joe Girardi maybe landing somewhere before 2018? Or Well, we're running out of teams at this point, so he doesn't appear to be in the mix with Washington uh, or Philly. So, no. All right. Well, there you have it. Well, John, thank you again for taking time. Uh, and uh, I know you're busy, so I'll let you get back to it. But uh, check him out on uh, FanRag Sports. John Heyman, thanks for dropping by. All right. Well, uh, we've got one more segment. We'll be right back after this brief break. The award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network is your free fantasy source 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. You can catch this show and many others live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app, iHeartRadio, or TuneIn Radio. Want to listen on your computer at work? Go to FNTSY.com slash radio or check us out on YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page where you can ask questions, discuss topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your questions on the air. The number is 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 days a year fantasy sports network of its kind without a subscription. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your fantasy source. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melker, your host, and I'd like to thank once again John Heyman, who, uh, of course, and obviously is very, very busy uh, with the World Series uh, down in Houston. So really appreciate him taking some time uh, to uh, answer a whole bunch of questions about free agency, managerial openings, uh, discuss the... Uh, Yuli uh, Gurriel situation in light of the uh, the racist gesture uh, that he made uh, last night's game. That is still uh, the topic of much discussion. And uh, you know John's take on that, that he, he said he would be surprised if there was a suspension. So uh, hopefully, well, I would imagine we will find out at some point uh, today what the outcome of that is going to be. But uh, getting back to the the World Series, a couple of players that I wanted to break down performance-wise earlier in the show didn't have time uh, so we could get to John and get to Mike Robbins. But uh, Logan Forsythe, can't say that he's being used sparingly, but uh, he certainly hasn't had either, I think, the regular season or the postseason in terms of playing time that uh, we certainly would have expected back in March. Uh, and you may recall, at least, uh, you know, from my experience that he was sort of a, a draft day darling once that he, he, uh, went to the Dodgers and once Dave Roberts started making comments about batting Forsyth leadoff, and there was certainly this anticipation that the Dodgers would be very good this year, 
that they would score a lot of runs, and that was just going to be a boon for Forsyth, not only batting out a leadoff spot, but bringing his considerable on-base skills to that lineup. And uh, between uh, you know missing time with the, the fractured toe and just ne- never really getting on track this season. Uh, and he's an interesting case going into next year. And like with Grandal, I really have no idea at this point what playing time is going to look for look like for Forsyth. But if there is any sort of indication in the off season that he's going to be, you know, back as, as the regular uh, second baseman, uh, he's intriguing to me because even though the outward stats were not, not very good for Forsyth this year, he took a, a very good, solid approach at the plate and made it a lot better. His swing percentage on pitches outside the zone dropped from an already very low 22% to 16%. He had a hard contact rate in the second half of 42%. That didn't really translate into that much power. And I can't really figure out why he didn't hit for more power and why he didn't have a higher average this year. So he's going to be another off-season project for me to try to figure out what happened there because I think he could be a real sleeper next year if the playing time's there. And Derek Fisher, likewise, not getting much of a chance to play in the postseason. Marwin Gonzalez has been pretty much the everyday left fielder. Uh, so A.J. Hinch hasn't been mixing and matching the way that he did in the in the regular season. Not to the same degree. But uh, Fisher, too, I think, could wind up being, if the playing time appears like it's going to be there, could wind up being, I think, very undervalued on draft day. Struck out a whole lot, which was not something he really did that much of in the minors. But very, very good plate discipline and a lot of power when he did connect. The problem was he didn't connect nearly enough. But a 351-foot average fly ball distance, but he only hit 13 flies. So not only was he striking out too much, he was maybe hitting a few too many ground balls as well, Derek Fisher. But you know, still inexperienced, still young, a great uh, minor league track record to go on. So my probably my bigger concern for him even than the skill set is just the playing time for uh, for Derek Fisher. But those are two players I'm going to be digging into a little bit more during the offseason. Be watching very closely uh, once it uh, gets closer to spring training. Anyways, that's going to wrap it up for this week. So thanks so much for joining me and our guests, John Heyman and Mike Robbins. And we'll be back here on Fantasy Sports Radio Network, same time, 2 Eastern, next Saturday. So stand by and enjoy the producers. See you next week. <laughs>